0: What's up, gentlemen? Welcome back to the Great Up Podcast. I am Charlie Jungemach, and I cannot thank you enough for tuning in and listening. I hope you guys keep tuning in and listening, and I hope we continue to grow bigger and bigger. I would like to say that this is a fantastic opportunity for you to grow as a man, whether you're a young man or a little gentleman. This is a great way for you to grow, and it's incredibly important we continue to grow as Christian men. So keep tuning in. Keep sharing it with your friends and family as well. And one of the best ways to do that is getting on social media, finding us, following us both on Facebook and Instagram, and sharing it like crazy. We now have a closed community group as well if you want to get a part of it. Uh, Most of our presenters are already a part of it, and we're getting more and more people joining all the time. So I'd love to get that thing going and be a little bit more active. I gotta do that on my own end too. Make sure you're a little bit more active on there, but get on there, share the memes, your favorite episodes, get it shared with people around you, and then thank you for listening again. Thank you to people all over the world who are listening. Shout out to our listeners that have been tuning in in Malawi and in Eastern Asia, and we've had people in all over the place, down in Chile, down in South America, a couple in Mexico, Canada is now on the map. Welcome to the welcome to the club, Canada. It took too long. Um, but thank you guys for tuning in. I can't be, I can't tell you how humbled I am that, uh, the Lord has chosen to use me in this way and that you guys have found this helpful. So thank you for listening. Keep tuning in and make sure you're sharing this podcast with your friends. This interview today that you're going to hear is Mr. Ralph Miro. Now Ralph is, he has a lot of pastoring experience in his life. Uh, most recently he is right now a part of the fellowship of Christian athletes. He's worked with some of my students when I was a middle school teacher and he does some really cool and incredible things with a lot of students all over the southeastern Wisconsin area. And the Fellowship of Christian Athletes is a worldwide organization that helps kids navigate the high pressure situations that oftentimes come as a part of the sports world and sports culture we live in. And they just, I, I like what they do, I love what they're doing. So this is Mr. Ralph Moreau with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Let's roll. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers, brothers in Christ, working hard to become the men that God has called us to be. I am your host, Charlie Ungemach. I'm a teacher, a coach, music director, and a man of God, myself working toward the goal of, like David being a man after God's own heart. We're happy you could join us. Now it's time to roll up our sleeves, to gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. All right, we've got Ralph Miro with us today. You are, what is your position over at FCA? I'm the area representative for southeastern Wisconsin. Okay, so that's, you're the area representative for southeastern Wisconsin in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So, um... Talk about Fellowship of Christian Athletes. What is the Fellowship of Christian Athletes? The Fellowship of Christian Athletes is actually the longest-standing national,
1: now it's become international, Christian sports ministry. Um, Started a little over 60 years ago. Um, Was started by a coach who saw that um, athletes were being used to advertise things like shaving cream and deodorant and whatever, and he felt like, well, if they can promote those kind of things, why can't they also promote their faith? And so he began a group really just gathering athletes and coaches together, it started at a college, and they called it the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And from that, it, it grew into a ministry that, that flows into basically universities, high schools, and middle schools. And it creates um, a fellowship group of young athletes, where they get together and they have some fellowship, there's some devotion, there's some Bible teaching, there's some fun, um, and they do it to just encourage one another and to spur each other
0: on in their faith. So these are groups groups of students who are athletes at the school who are also Christians, or do you get a lot of... Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Well, the core of the leadership are, are usually all
1: Christians. There, there are oftentimes those that are just seekers. They're checking it out. They're interested in, in what's happening. Um, oftentimes we talk about that. The magnet to the group is off, oftentimes the fellowship part, the friendship part. And, um, and then once they're in that group, the faith part is um, talked about, looked at, gone a little farther into
0: it, that sort of thing. And they get together and meet. So how often do these groups meet?
1: Well, it varies from school to school. Um, some meet weekly. Some meet every other week. There are some that meet only once a month. But whatever it is, they, they, they meet on a regular timetable for their school. And um, most of our groups in, in this area meet before school, so they're pretty short, usually um, usually about 30 minutes although there are some that go 45. Um, some of those, uh, really eager folks get started, you know, an hour before school starts and that. So that means the kids are getting there 630, quarter to seven to spend uh, 45 minutes in devotion and fellowship with one another before the day starts. And the ones that are shorter usually are just sort of a, a spiritual touch before they head into the day. And, um, and that works well in their schedules. There are a few that meet after school, but that's gotten harder and harder because of all the teams that practice late into the evening.
0: And most of these kids are athletes. Or do you have kids that are not athletes that are part? Well, it's
1: it's a, it's an athletic ministry, so the focus is towards the special challenges that athletes, young athletes, face. But it's not it, it's not exclusive to athletes. I mean, we we talk about it all the time that that. Um, <laughs> anybody's invited that has any interest or is influenced at all by sports. And in our culture today, everyone is influenced by sports. Even if they don't like sports, they're influenced by it because we're in a sports craze culture. So really it's open to anyone, but the emphasis is for the young athletes. Cool. And so when these groups get together, what does that kind of look like? Well, usually there's some sort of a fun gathering, icebreaker type thing just to get everybody sort of interacting Um, something that everybody can take part in without it being intimidated. And then it usually moves into uh, a devotional thought for the day. Sometimes that's done with just simply reading a passage of Scripture and talking about it briefly in small groups. Sometimes they'll have a guest speaker come in and present a message. Um, So it varies from group to group, but um, the two elements that are always there are there is some devotional element And
0: there's some fun fellowship element to it. Cool. Um, So are these kids coming up with their own devotions and stuff? Or how do they get the the material?
1: Well, I, I say all the time that one of the best things that FCA does as a ministry is produce resources for athletes and coaches. And so there are plenty of resources out there for them. There's actually the FCA Bible has what is the equivalent of about 1,200 meetings that Mm-hmm. are put together that the kids, if they want to use that, they can use that. They certainly are welcome to do their own thing. You know, some of them are involved in youth groups and they might bring something from their youth group or they heard something at church and they'll bring that and talk about that. But there is there are guidelines with um, if they want to use the FCA resources, those are presented for them.
0: Yeah, and I've got one of the FCA Bibles and I, I don't use it as often now with second graders, but when I was teaching middle school, I used it pretty frequently for like chapel talks and like before school devotions, after school devotions, that kind of stuff, or with my team too, just to, you know, get it in there. And a quick one, if you don't you know, have the time to sit down and actually plan out a devotion, Yeah, it's a great, great resource for that too. Well, really
1: kind of the, the behind-the-scenes story of why FCA developed that Bible was exactly for that reason, realizing that, that there would be young people Student leaders that would, might find themselves all of a sudden having to lead the group and not having a lot of time to prepare, and so mm-hmm. they tried to put resources together to make that fairly easy, but with some depth um, and and biblical accuracy for them. So that's really how that Bible was put together initially.
0: Yeah, and as you go through it, um, there are different sections. So as you're reading through the scripture, it, it'll like have a stop and then a little, you know, at the end of you know Cain and Ample is little. Blurb with a couple questions in there, and then it asks, gives you guides you through what your devotion would be on that section, and I think that's where, probably where the twelve hundred comes from. Yeah, uh, and so it does it through all of Scripture, all the way Genesis through Revelation is doing that the whole time. And then at the end, if you go to the all the way to the back, there's another section of I don't know how many um, like actual sit down Bible studies in there too, and those are also really useful. So it's, it is a great use. A great resource that I have used quite a bit, and I appreciate it a lot.
1: Yeah, you know, that the part in the back of the Bible is a 30-day devotional, and that is in there because FCA rolls out their Bible with their cover theme at camp every year. And so every um, camper that comes to camp gets one of these Bibles, and then at camp they're taught to have a daily quiet time. And then those 30 Bible studies in the back of the Bible are for the 30 days after camp and that's based on the statistic that if you do something for 30 days it will become a habit and so it's really it was it's really strategically put in there so that those campers can create that habit if they want to
0: that's good I didn't know that but I appreciate that a lot that's really good um so you talk about camp a little bit let's talk about camp
1: well I you know I'm biased here but I think camp is the best thing that FC has going and I say that because um It was back in 1972, between my junior and senior in high school, a couple of my coaches challenged me to go to a Fellowship of Christian Athletes um, summer sports camp, and I wasn't intimidated by the Christian part of it, but I really went because I wanted to become a better athlete, and while I was at that camp, I was challenged with the whole idea of having a personal relationship with God through Jesus. and Mm -hmm. Uh, even though I would have said at that time that I believed in God, I didn't know really anything about having a personal relationship with him. And so at this camp, I was confronted with that idea. And at that camp, I made a decision to follow Jesus as my, my Savior and Lord. And really, it changed the, the course of my life. So I, I say all the time that, that FCA camps, even though they're just a week long, and it's not even really a week, it's four days long, it can be a life-changing week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's filled with... Um, training and teaching and workouts and sports clinics, but mixed into that are small group times with their small group huddle, um, which is always led by a a college athlete um, in their sport. And then there's also an evening devotion assembly time, which has some music and some fun and videos of the day. And then there's a motivational, spiritual um, speaker that speaks to them a- every night of the of the camp and then after that evening assembly they go back into their small groups and they talk about what they heard and how it applies to their life and so it, it really is I mean for an awful lot of the kids that come they are believers before they come but there's quite a few that come that are just checking out know, they came just like I did they wanted to become a better athlete and all of a sudden they realize that God's interested in them as an athlete and as a person and that they can be a a spiritual person and a competitive athlete, and and it opens up a whole new sphere of life for them.
0: Yeah, and so I've been to the leadership camp, but there's also sports-specific camps. Is that correct?
1: Yes, yeah, and the one I went to was a sports camp. The leadership camp is one that FCA has developed in the last, oh, I'd say 10 or 15 years, really focusing on those older students, Oftentimes, they're seniors or even graduated seniors, and they bring them together to talk about the opportunities they have as leaders, whether it's leaders of their team or leaders of their FCA group, or if they're stepping into leadership in their youth group, but coming and talking about that whole concept of what it means to be a Christian
0: leader. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and so going back to the, the, the group meetings, is there an adult involved in any of this or is a kid run completely? Well, you know, our, all of our groups that are, that are in public schools,
1: in order to be legal in those public schools, they need to be student-initiated and student-led. So that means that there needs to be a student leadership team that is actually running the meeting and, and leading the studies and that sort of thing. However, most schools do require them, them, there to be a faculty advisor. FCA actually requires there to be an adult that fills out a ministry leader application and then is subjected to a background check. And that's done for legal purposes more than anything else because in many situations, those folks can't be an active mm-hmm. leader of the group. They're just simply sort of supervising in the background without merely saying a whole lot. Um, in some cases where it's not in a public school, private school, parochial schools, then those teachers, leaders, coaches can be more actively involved, and, but there always is an adult that has been approved as a ministry leader, but the, the, the groups are meant to be led by the students. Do you get a lot of FCA groups at parochial schools? Um, you know, we have some. It's interesting because some of the parochial schools um, don't see the need for it. They feel like they have religion classes and whatever, and so um, the the draw of having a fellowship of Christian athletes isn't Always um, real strong, you know. I always when I have conversations with them, when I have the opportunity to do that, I do. I do ask them, "Well, you in your religion classes, are you talking about the specific challenges that young athletes face?" And you know, usually they say yes, but it's usually sort of a hesitant yes, because I'm not sure that they really know that they're really talking about those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And you know, that you can say what you want. Um, I, I say this all the time. I mean, I I watch. I watch people that I know that are solid believers and they walk onto the competitive field and it's like they just take off their Christian hat and become a completely different person. And so that's the value of FCA. It's to, it's to let your faith really flow into your whole life, including your competitive life. And there are some special challenges to doing that. But as I've experienced and watched happen in people's lives, there's great joy when you realize that you can do that and it doesn't, hinder you as an athlete, actually probably helps you as an athlete. Yeah,
0: Um, so you talk about the specific challenges that uh, are facing Christian athletes. Can you talk to that a little bit? What are those challenges? Well, um, uh, you know, I'll use a personal illustration. When I I came
1: back from FCA camp, having become a believer between my junior and senior year, I was coming back to a football team at Brookfield Central that was favored to be one of the conference leaders and we had a, a guy a, a guy that was coming back, a good friend of mine, who was about a 6'6", 280-pound um, offensive tackle, and actually that played both ways at that time, and um, he was a dominating player. But over the summer, he also had become a believer. And in his faith walk, he all of a sudden started wondering how he could be competitive and and knock other guys down when Jesus told him he's supposed to love even his enemies. And so for him, it became a, an, an interpersonal challenge where he felt like it was a conflict to his Christian faith to be out there and being competitive as an athlete. And you know, part of that was because of some of the things that he had been taught that you know he's supposed to see his opponent as an enemy, you know, and some of those kind of things. And so it was a real challenge for him. So he decided to to not play football his senior year. And he walked away from sports altogether because he couldn't figure out how he could really be a Christian and be competitive. And so, you know, there's that kind of a challenge. Can you be a competitive athlete and still be a compassionate person? Um, You know, how do you handle winning graciously? How do you handle losing? Um, you know, you know, how do you treat your opponents? Do you see them as enemies or do you see them, you know, and if you do see them as enemies, can you learn to love them even when you're competing against them? I mean, I think there's some of the other challenges of, um, you know, the there's so much going on with drinking and drug usage and smoking and now the vaping. Um, and it's like, everybody's doing it. But as a believer, especially in schools where you have the training rules, you have made a commitment to not do that and so if you're going to be a a Christian and and be honorable you need to live by that well then but but, but what do you do when all your teammates seem to be pulling you in the other direction so there's there's those kind of challenges that I think are special and unique to to believers
0: yeah absolutely and and I'm a guy who was at parochial school all the way through. We never attended anything else all the way through college, um, and and the college I attended was a ministry school. And I still saw exactly what you're talking about. Even myself, I mean, I was a perpetrator of you know, that training rules idea. You know, like yeah. these are the rules laid before you. You know, I am a man under authority, and uh, you know, it's the authority says no, and yeah. so you don't. Um, and just thinking about like as you were talking about that, I was thinking about the idea that even at a ministry school like you look at the football team and we had you know a group of guys who clearly was you know in the word and doing it the right way and you had get a group of guys that clearly you know had some work to do mm-hmm. um and not anybody was perfect and I won't tell you which group I was in all the time <laughs> but uh yeah just there's definitely a challenge there just definitely a challenge to face what you didn't talk about really was uh, just materialism too yeah and definitely. the idea that you know like every fifth grade boy like you walk into a fifth grade classroom and say who wants to play in the NBA someday? And they all raise their hands. Like, who's actually going to play in the NBA someday? And they all still raise their hands. Like, there's so much more to sport, and there's so much more to being an athlete than just being rich and famous. But that all gets lost. And yeah. not always, but a lot of times it gets a little, totally lost in our sports culture. And I think that's where some of this insanity comes from. Yeah. It's like all of my identity... And all of my hope is put into athletics instead of where it really should be put.
1: Yeah, well, one of, the, one of the things that we're seeing in, in the sport culture today is that that we're now into, I think, but really believe it's the second generation of entitlement. And, you know, back when I played, just simply being on the team was, uh, was a good thing, an honorable thing. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't have, you know, prime playing time, it's you know you're not anything if you don't get to play and 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 not only do the kids feel that way but the parents feel that way and you know even in my coaching now I talk to the parents every year beforehand and I say if you know if I'm doing my job as a coach then this this season together as a team should be productive beneficial and helpful to every single player regardless of playing time and they all nod and they they agree but then when when the rubber meets the road, when you know you play a game and one or two of the players don't get to play or only they get to play a minute or two and others are playing most of the game, all of a sudden there can be that tension. And so the, the, the challenge, though, when God says this, that God says, use the gifts I've given you and and to encourage one another and to be a part of a team means that. So if, if I'm part of the team, I, I, I use this illustration all the time when I went to seminary, I won the preaching contest at seminary. I served it for 18 years as a pastor on the pastoral staff at Elmbrook Church. And in those 18 years, I preached from the main pulpit twice. (laughs) And so, you know, in, in our culture today, in the sports culture today, I could have been bent out of shape about that because I mean I won the preaching contest. I should be up there, I should get a chance to preach. But that wasn't my role on the team. And there were other gifted preachers at the church that were taking care of that. And I had other responsibilities that I needed to do. And so I did those and I and I found great joy in doing those. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's that's one of those challenges today too, is to help to help kids realize that. They don't have to be the star to still, still be valuable to the team. And they can still be a great teammate whether they're playing or not. And, you know, oftentimes the toughest lessons to learn are for those that are playing to really honor and value the, the, the kids on the team that aren't playing because there can be that, that whole pride issue, the ego thing, and I'm going to the NBA or I'm going to get a scholarship mm-hmm. and they're nothing, you know, whatever. So that, you know those are those are some of the challenges that um, that our I think that our FCA groups end up talking about and helping kids work with. You
0: well, know, I think it is probably a uh, a good like level playing field too at that point when you have you, know, you could have a group of kids together that you know, on a spiritual level, you know, you could be in a mentor or mentee role where it's the opposite on a football field too or opposite on a basketball court, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool idea. Um, so you were, you talked about how kids have to initiate this. Um, what does that, what does that look like when a kid, so do you guys go and like seek out opportunities to you know, convince a kid to, to pursue it? Or like, how does that, how does that work?
1: Well, it goes both ways. We sometimes get, um, kids that step forward for whatever reason, you know, they, they, they've been underclassmen watching this happen and they feel like that is nudging them to step in. So that does happen once in a while. Most of the time though, We have to go and tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, um, I think you would be a a good candidate. I think God might want you to do this. Um, We oftentimes ask the the teacher or coach that's leading the group, who do you think might be um, qualified to be a leader um, and then, and then we do we try to do appropriate training. Although I think we could do a better job of that at at, at every single school. I think we do a better job at some schools than others. Um, helping those kids um, be the leader that they can be. You know, we encourage them all to go to leadership camp, but they don't all go. You know, and right. and then. You know, we need to try to step in there, and I think we're still working on some strategies to do that, so that we're really helping those kids that are in those leadership roles. But it, it really comes both ways. Mostly, we have to go recruit them, but every once in a while, God kind of
0: sends them our way. Cool. Do you face any pushback from schools very often, especially the public schools? Or yeah, that, yeah, I
1: I could tell a lot of stories and that uh could probably make some people angry at some of the pushback that we get. Um, they real honestly there are some administrators that are that are afraid of Christian groups in their schools and so they can they can make it hard on on kids or even teachers to get it started um, we've had we've had situations I've had situations where um, in my 12 years of doing this I've probably had well more than a handful of administrators pull me into their office athletic directors telling me, that they would like FCA to be at their school, they're glad it's there, Um, and that they will do anything through their assistance to help it happen, but they don't dare want me to tell anyone that they're behind it. And part of that is because they just feel like their job could be on the line. It could be a lightning rod that all of a sudden causes all sorts of headaches Mm -hmm. and whatever. And so, you know, and that's just sort of the culture that we're in, the, the whole what I would call the whole myth of the separation of church and state, though there's, there's a valuable concept there. I think it's misunderstood and misapplied in this case. Um, and, and, and people run scared from it. Um, we have other places. I went to one group where I walked into the group and got introduced to the principal and he, his comment was best thing we got going at our school, Mm -hmm. you know, so we, it, it, it runs the gamut. We have some administrators that love it that were there They'll, They'll work with us. They'll, you know, probably even um, step over some of the state guidelines to allow us to be there. And there's others that just are, you know, putting up barriers and making it tough um, for students and faculty to be involved in groups like ours.
0: Do you very so do kids pretty much step up most of the time or does it happen very often that you just someone dies? Like that's kind of a morbid question, and probably kind of frustrating. But does that happen often, or do the kids usually step up?
1: You know, I wouldn't say it happens often, but it does happen. Um, It, it. I think the the most um, the most common occurrence is that it takes a long time to get going and get it. Mm -hmm. You know, really get some traction. So there are some, there are some groups that start with, you know, just an eager student or two and they, you know, they just really excited for the first couple months and then it sort of is just limping along and limping along and limping along and um, sometimes those groups die. Um, Sometimes it happens when those, when those students graduate and there's nobody else that steps in. Sometimes it just dies because they get discouraged. But most often something happens and all of a sudden there's life. And, and it goes, and you know, sometimes it happens, you know, a year or two after those initial students limped along and limped along. And, you know, that's one of the, the joys of my role. I get to see the full story sometimes where students don't oftentimes get to see that. But we've also had the other thing happen where we've had a couple of really excited students. They've had a great year. They've had lots of things going on and they leave and no one else steps up and all of a sudden that group dies or at least shrivels a little bit, you know, and and then it gets, it's harder to get it back up and going. So, um, you know, we we see the full gamut of that. And, um, you know, one of the hardest things is, is that we're working mostly in high schools and usually our leadership are seniors. And if they leave without leaving anybody behind that wants to pick up the baton, it, it gets tough, you know, because it, it just um, has to kind of
0: restart every year. Do you get to be in a lot of those meetings and be a part of a lot of that? Or is it mostly on the school to take take the wheels or take the reins on that? Well, my
1: my role is to be their um, support and um, and their resource. And so if they want me there, if they need me there, then I figure out a way to get there. Um, some of them are able to do it without me and that's fine. And actually that's a, you know, somebody one of my, one of my bosses said, you know, ministry happens when we leave the room, you know? And so with, if, if those schools can do it without me, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but my role is to step in and help them and be, bring resources to them, give them the training. Um, answer their questions sometimes I go meet with the administrators that are giving them a headache Um, that's some of those kind of things so um, when they can do it it's best case scenario but oftentimes I'm stepping in in different ways to try to help them get going if they want to get going cool
0: awesome Uh, so kind of coming out of that then do you see like a lot of kids coming back do you get to interact with kids that have gone through uh, the program and kind of are out in the world then or out off to college do you get to interact with them a lot a few. You know, I, I don't get to do it as much as I would like
1: to. You know, one I you know, I guess one of my personal frustrations in our, in our area is that I was hired 11 years ago um, to be an area rep in southeastern Wisconsin. Southeastern Wisconsin includes parts of seven counties including Kenosha, Racine, Milwaukee, Washington, Waukesha, Dodge, Walworth, Jefferson. <laughs> You know, you're getting the picture, okay? And so my job is to be a resource to any school, high school or middle school or college in that whole area. When I was being hired, I said, you know, it it seems to me you should be hiring four of me, not one. (laughs) And, of course, they said, well, that is the plan. Well, here we are 11 years later. I'm heading into my 12th year, and I'm still the only area rep. Now, excitingly, FCA has started to put the wheels in motion to try to figure out a strategic plan of how to grow the staff in this area. But up until this time, it's just been me. Mm. And so uh, one of my personal frustrations is because I do have a pastor's heart is I don't get to know a lot of the kids very Mm. well at all. I might know them, Mm. um, if I see them across the gym, but I don't necessarily know about them personally. I don't know about their personal struggles. You know, I usually know what sport they're in. Um, but I don't really get to know them like a pastor would like to get to know yeah. them. And so because of that, you know, there's a few that I've been able to follow as they've moved on to college and they've kept contact with me. But most of the time they don't. If they keep contact with anybody, it's with those right. those faculty members or coaches that really had an impact in their life, which is fine. Um, and so there is some of that that happens, but I don't get to see a lot of it in my role.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so go along with that though. Do you have any like big win stories you want to share? Like these were days that just made me want to keep going.
1: Oh, wow. There's really put you on the spot. (laughs) Yeah. There's not, you know, well, I'll, I'll say this. There's, there's been a couple of them. Um, you know, you actually probably know a little bit about one of them. Um, you know, a young man from St. Marcus went to our leadership camp multiple years in a row and is now going back as a huddle leader in oh, college. Cool. And he's going on to some ministry training. And, um, and we're actually in conversations with him about considering stepping onto our staff, you know, once he's done with some of his ministry cool. training. So that's a, that's a pretty neat thing to see that happen. We also we also had one um, that I that I knew of because of my connection with Brookfield Central. I'm on the coaching staff there in the basketball boys basketball program, and so I'm I'm pretty close to that school. And a couple of years ago, they had um, a suicide of a student. Um, It really caught the the whole community off guard. Um, It was it was announced. The suicide happened on a Tuesday, I believe, and it was, in, you know, basically got through the, the grapevine on Wednesday, and the whole school was just sort of shocked and stunned. And one of the administrators walked by. They they had invited students to come, to the gym if they just wanted to talk to each other about it or, whatever. And so th- there's this whole flock of students that showed up in the gym, and the administrator walked by and and. Said to our faculty member, who was the FCA advisor, he, she said, "Hey, do you have any students that could come from FCA and just be here with the rest of these mm-hmm. students? Because, you know, we really shouldn't be talking to them about faith or praying for them or whatever. But your your students could." And so he, of course, called um one of the gals, Natalie was her name, and um he called her out of class and said, "Hey, would you be willing to come and pray?" with these kids and just spend some time. And of course she did. She stepped right in and, um, then she ended up, um, saying, Hey, you know, there's some other uh, the leaders of, of FCA that would come. And so they came and they, they just sort of cared for the, the, the school community, you know, hearing about that kind of thing, just, you know, oh, yeah. kind of blows your socks off. And just this year we had a video, um, testimony at our big celebration of a gal from, um, Slinger, who was on the cross-country team, and she was actually, she talks about how she sort of was drifting from her faith, and she was in a, a fairly tragic car accident where she flipped her car and um, and was injured pretty, pretty severely. They weren't sure she was going to be able to run, but she did recover and was able to run, and she talks about how FCA was a big part of her realizing what was really important, and so now she runs with a Bible verse written on her leg, and um, and, and talks about that she's running for God's glory rather than her own personal pride. And, you know, those, those kind of stories keep me going. It, it, you know, when you yeah. see kids getting it, that the bigger picture, um, it keeps me going.
0: Yeah. That's some serious leadership too. It's really stepping up and doing some ministry. That's cool stuff. Yeah. Awesome. So if people are interested in FCA, want to get more involved in FCA. Um, we have, I'll brag here, we got people from all over the world listening. So, okay. um, how can people get involved with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes?
1: Well, you know, there's there's different ways in different areas, depending on where you're at. Um, there are there are groups. You know, any school that has an FCA group could use volunteers to to help. Just whether it's to provide refreshments to the group or to host maybe a special event or to step in alongside of the teacher coach um, to help lead the group, oftentimes um, non-faculty members can step in and be more actively involved than faculty members because again, the separation of church and state issue. And so there's there's always um, an opportunity for somebody in the community to step in and, and help. And again, they'll be um They'll be limited by the school protocols and procedures, but there's usually a way to do it. Um, We do camps. In some places, they do day camps all summer long where they need volunteers to come, whether it's to provide refreshment, to provide supervision, maybe to even provide transportation. Maybe it's to provide some coaching, um, whatever. So um, there's those kind of things. Um, And and then, of course, the, the, the easiest way that anybody can be involved Well, I say it's the easiest way. It's the easiest way, but sometimes the hardest way is that FCA is a faith-financed ministry. So everybody that's on staff with FCA raises their own ministry support. Anytime there's a camp, we send kids to camp and we provide scholarships. Well, those scholarships have to be raised. And so it comes from people that are realizing the benefit and giving to, to the local FCA ministry. And so I would say, you know, that anybody, wherever you're at, if there's an FCA ministry, there's there's probably an FCA staff person there that could use the financial resources and support to help. Um, and that's, you know, a great way to be able to be a part of the ministry because sometimes, sometimes there's not anything for you to do, but you can be a part of the team by being financially a
0: part of the team too. How about as a kid? How can I get involved as a kid? As
1: a kid, you get involved by, um, you know, stepping into the local group, um, being willing to step onto the leadership team. Um, sometimes the best way for kids to be involved is simply to be uh, what I call an inviter. Just invite your friends to come to the group. You know, maybe you're not an official part of the leadership team, but you know that there's an FCA group meeting at your school. Um, invite your friends to come. You know, we know this because of statistics. We'll say it that most people will come to church. Most people will come to a Christian group like this if they're invited personally by somebody that will go with them to go so you know that's a great way for kids to be involved and of course if they have some leadership ability and desires they can step into the leadership team and and um, help the group grow at their school
0: cool and we talked a little bit earlier about uh sports specific camps um so these camps take place in in iowa for this area right yes Uh, can you talk a little bit more about those sure um, it's an all-sports camp that,
1: that's held at Luther College in Decorah, Iowa. There are, <laughs> there are usually about 300 to 400 athletes that come mostly from Wisconsin and Minnesota because it really is Wisconsin's camp, even though it's held at Luther College. So, the reason for that is because the, the college has tremendous facilities to be able to allow us to have multiple sports. We have like 10 sports um, going on all at once, and then also the capability of meeting in the assembly room at night. And there's not, not every campus has the availability to do that, and so that's why we're at Luther. Um, and so, yeah, that so that camp happens, but there's there are probably about 300 camps like that around the United States, and they're happening at different times and different locations and whatever. So wherever you're at, wherever you're listening, um, all you need to do is go to fca.org, and look for camps and then they'll it'll say locate a camp in your area whatever and you can you know kind of navigate the website and find a camp in your area and those are those multi-sport camps would be sport specific where if you go as a basketball player you'll spend the whole week working on your basketball skills as well as getting the benefit of the spiritual touches that come um and so you know and then there's some team camps there's um the leadership camp as we talked about and so um there's a camp for you if you want it
0: um, so what if I'm a football player and a basketball player? Do I have to pick one or can I go do both? You know, unfortunately,
1: we do make you choose which one you do. Um, I, I actually it's one of those things that I actually am a little bit against because when I went to my camp way back, you know, eons ago. I was a I was a multi sport athlete. I played four sports in high school, and I actually got to do each one of the sport on one day that I was there, wow. which I which I loved. And you slept real well at yeah, night, yeah, <laughs> which I loved. But now they now kids have to choose which sport they're going to focus on for the for the the camp.
0: Um, how about parochial school kids? So if I'm a parochial school kid. And I'm interested in going to a faith-based camp like that, but I'm not a part of an FCA group. Can I still attend? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, you don't need to be a part of an official FCA group to go to camp. In fact, oftentimes, it's kind of the reverse. We have kids that come to camp that realize they like what's happening with FCA, and they say, hey, I I want one of these groups at my school. And then they go back, and they become the representative that sort of gets the ball rolling at their school. So, yeah, absolutely, the camps are open to anyone.
0: Awesome. And then last, how can we get a hold of you? If somebody wants to get a hold of you specifically, me how do they get a hold of you? Me
1: personally, my probably the best way would be through my email address, which is my my first initial and last name, so I'll spell it out for you. R M I E R O W at F C A dot org. Shoot right. me an email and I'll I'll communicate with you.
0: Cool. Awesome. So that's introduction to introduction, I'm sorry. To the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and Mr. Ralph Moreau. Awesome. Thank you very much. Great. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can find more episodes like this on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, and Pippa. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at time to gird Up. You can find us on Facebook at the Up Podcast. Or if you want to email me, you can email me at Coach Ungemak, that's U-N-G-E-M-A-C-H, at gmail.com. Please leave a five-star rating and review on this podcast on iTunes. The more four and five-star ratings we receive, the more people we will reach on iTunes because iTunes will boost us more. Thank you to Seth Palmeyer for our podcast art. And thank you to you, the listener, because without you, this podcast would not be possible. So with that, I encourage you to go out, man up, gird up, and become the man that God has created us to be. Have a good one.